Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the Burgundy Radio Podcast for November 7th, 2017. Coming up on the show, the Avalanche traded a little-known forward prospect, and also there were hockey games, apparently. But before we play the whoosh, a few words from your disembodied voices of the week. With us, as ever, is Earl. Good evening, Earl. Good evening. How are everyone tonight? And I'll give you a moment to respond to Earl. Thank you. Okay. Glad, everyone, good, glad everyone's good. I'm also joined by uh, Queen J.K. Jagger Vincent. What's up, Jackie? Hello. And another return visit for official videographer Rudo. Hey, Rudo. It's finally over. We do not know of what you, what you speak of. <laughs> What's finally over? The Avs win streak. <laughs> totally, that's what it is. Yeah. On Thursday, Avs, who am I kidding? Matt Duchesne is traded! Hey. <laughs> Alarm and alert. I'm still in shock, honestly. Yeah, a little bit. It's pretty close to the rumored three-way with Ottawa and Nashville. Uh, before we get to the, what this means for the Avs now and later and get to know these pieces a little bit, a quick rundown of what went down. Ottawa get Matt Duchesne. Claps. Well done there. Nashville get Kyle Turris, who immediately signed to a six-year deal worth $6 million a year. Claps. Well done there. Colorado get defender Samuel Girard. And I'm going to destroy all these names. Forward, Vladislav Kamenev. Forward, Shane Bowers. Goaltender and cap dump, Andrew Hammond. Ottawa's 2018 first-round pick. Nashville's 2018 second-round pick. And Ottawa's 2019 third-round pick. The Ottawa first is protected such that if they fall up to, I think it's the top 10, it'll slide to a 2019 first. So don't root for the Senators to take too hard. Uh, Everyone, you've had a day to process the result. Did Sackett get what he held out for? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there was a trade that he was going to do much better on, especially with the quantity of what we got back. I'll say yes and no, because it really seemed like the foundation of the deal was going to have to be on that young NHL player and how they didn't want to do a futures deal and this and that and... And it seemed like once perhaps Sackick shifted focus to a futures deal, then then yeah, he pretty much wasn't going to get seven pieces, if you want to include the goalie, from one team. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he did well to, to hold out. But it, I don't think this is the deal he was looking at, say, last deadline or even last summer. Last week, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, it always seemed like you know something something that that was going to be for now was going to be a big part of the deal, but it didn't end up that way. But I mean, you know, the seven assets is pretty much unprecedented for trading away one player. So, um, yeah, I, I doubt he could have done better for value. I just, I, I think this is probably not what they were envisioning because this is. It's a fairly unique deal, especially lately in the NHL. I still think they got probably as much as they could have for not taking one of those centerpieces that they were really looking for. They picked up a good number of other quality pieces that 
I am fairly confident we will see most of them in the NHL at some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty risk-adverse, so I would be pretty nervous that... I mean, it's pretty tough to pull together a, a three-party trade. So to, if that fell apart, you know, you wouldn't be too sure that you could get that kind of trade back together down the line because it had to satisfy exactly what Ottawa and Nashville were looking for. So to that extent, to be able to get that many pieces back to make it a three-way trade was was something they had to jump on, I definitely think, at this point. I just wonder if any of the pieces, you know, other than the first-round pick was maybe the Avs' real top target or real first choice, but they did really well in, in finding something that worked in there for them. Yeah, it, and it's interesting that it's coming out that it was actually it's actually two trades. It wasn't a, a complete three-way deal. Um, <clears throat> the first trade was uh, Turris and all the Ottawa stuff got traded to the Avs for Duchesne, and then they traded Turris to Nashville for all their stuff. So you sort of see how it was, you know, kind of banked off the Avs there. But um, you know, right. a lot of that. A lot of that we kind of got hinted that sort of Ottawa was looking at, you know, trading Duchesne, trading tourists for Duchesne and including a bunch of stuff. And we were kind of like, I don't, you know, what, what does that get us? Uh, so you see where that deal kind of went. And then obviously Nashville had a huge interest in tourists. So, yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting for Nashville, especially because they gave up a lot of prospects to make their push for the cup. Whereas Ottawa had to give up tourists who was a integral part of their lineup at this point. It seemed like where the deal rested was getting enough for Nashville from Nashville to kind of bring it up to what the Avs deemed acceptable because of the the story about McFarland and Fenton uh, discussing this over several days. It seemed like that's really what turned the deal yeah you wonder if if sort of you know i mean we we know that the the predators and the avalanche have been talking you know for months on this and you kind of wonder if if nashville was a little lukewarm on duchene and and they obviously had interest in tourists and sort of what spurred this on was was ottawa sort of saying you know would you guys want tourists and some stuff for duchene and then the light bulb goes on and McFarlane's like, ah, I know someone who wants tourists more than we do. So we could really clean up here. And it also hinged on Ottawa, not needing any of the futures going back to them. Yeah. yeah. Right. Ottawa and they were, they also were just pushing all in. Yeah. Content with Duchesne, which might be, you know, people could argue maybe a, a slight upgrade or, um, you know, the extra year, but but them not needing any of the futures from Nashville back or from us for giving up tourists was also a big part of it. I mean, they must have really, really wanted Duchesne then. Yeah, Ottawa paid kind of a lot in this deal. Like, for a couple of years of Duchesne, who could very easily bounce in UFA? Uh, their angle is strange to me. But I yeah, guess... If you look at it, it's like they kind of they pretty much gave tourists and Bowers and a first um, for 
for Duchesne, and then basically we took the Hamburglar for a third. Um, and that's that just seems like a lot, you know, for w- basically two first round picks for one year of Matt Duchesne. I don't know. I just, I I don't know how stoked I'd be on this deal if I was an Ottawa fan. I think the only thing in their favor is they didn't have to give up Shabbat, White, Brown, maybe a few of the other prospects they like better. So from their perspective, they got it done without touching their A-grade prospects. It's probably, you know, it has that fan base jazzed. But, but yeah, they gave up the first, and they didn't really, they only, got, they only swapped player one for one. Well, there's Bowers too, and uh, you know AJ was saying that Bowers might be pretty close to White when all said and done. So yeah, I think a lot of people underrate Bowers, or maybe I overrate him, but I think he's a really solid piece for the Abs going into the future. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's you know, go ahead and just dive right into it. Tell us why you're so high on him. He's just a really safe pick. He's one of those guys that has so many routes to get into the NHL that he's extremely likely to make it there. You know, ceiling might not be the highest, but he's big enough. He plays an all-around game that will get him in on a fourth or third line role, even if that's just defensively. And then maybe, you know, he turns into a comper and finds his offensive game as well, and that could push him up the lineup even further. The scary part for me is, though, that's the kind of player the Avs, for whatever reason, do not have luck with. Maybe comper starts to break that mold, but, you know, the... The really high ce- or really high floor type of guy, good defensive guy, just seems like can never find his way into the lineup. Well, the good news with Bowers is he's in the NCAA, so they can leave him there a couple years instead of putting him through their own system. <laughs> <laughs> Fo- follow the comfort plan, exactly. Yep. Yeah, like to the letter. It's working for Tyson Jost. Yeah, and he Bowers is another one of those guys that came out of Junior A. He was from the USHL instead of Canadian Juniors. The Avs seem to really like the Canadian NCAA player. And Jost and McCarr and Morrison, now Bowers. So they, why do we think that might be? I don't I don't know if it's an anomaly or or what exactly, but it seems like they zero in on those kind of guys. I, I don't know if they're more familiar with them because they come from Canadian like midget and youth programs and all that. I, I really don't know. It seems like just a coincidence, but there's more than a few stacking up now. Yeah, and they're yeah. from all across Canada too. It's not like you can say like, oh, you know, it's probably the the Western Canada guy getting all these and you know, it's like Morrison's from Ontario, Bowers is from uh, the Maritimes and Joseph's from Western Canada, of course. So, I mean, I think it's as much on the prospect side, right? There's just more of a path now. More players are seeing the NCAA as a legitimate developmental league, and they're opting to go that way. That could be it, too. There's just more of them. Seems like the Avs are collecting the ones that are out there, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you with, think... Uh, with their, like, their program, that's like it's actually like a stamp book, but it but it's a hockey program, and every time they sign one of those players, they put a big X on his face. Got him. (laughs) I mean, do you think that the Avs see sort of hidden value in these guys, like it's an inefficiency, or 
You know, I mean, there's got to be. Maybe they think that they'll sign faster. I don't know. I mean, Maybe they slower. don't. They get three years or more, you know, before a, a serious deadline. I I think for the most part, they just legitimately think they're the best players out there. We picked Yost at 10th overall and Carr at 4th. So it's not like we're taking them with later round picks or anything. We're investing a lot into them. Yeah. Maybe they like the college aspect, like, oh, well, these guys are smart enough to go to college. They're smart hockey players. I don't know. Um, Kerfoot's another Canadian NCAA. Yeah. And a smart hockey player. He went to Harvard. He's really smart. Kerfoot went to Harvard (laughs) as the new Matt Nieto's from Long Beach. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad the 153 seems to have died. Maybe it was after he took that hit from McNabb, people realized he, he got to be a little bit heavier than that. <laughs> oh, he's he not just float off with a couple of helium balloons. <laughs> <laughs> but he did go to Harvard. But, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm down on Bowers. I just, um, I, I do think he's an interesting kind of package of, of the, really good defensive play and it, the knock on him seems to be offense, but he's producing. He's, he's producing at, at BU. He's produced pretty well in the USHL. So um, he's got four I, goals in 10 games. So, so I can That's see where that. he might be a little bit underrated. Yeah. He, the thing is I made comparisons to him to Confer, but in a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of if you smash Confer and Morrison together. He's got that big body that he can use to get to the front of the net and make things happen down there. But he also plays the two-way game. The one knock on him is his IQ or game sense or whatever you want to call it. So that's where I get back to the point of he'll probably be able to play a grinder role on the third and fourth lines. But if he can find a little bit more hockey IQ or learn how to play in the correct positions, then maybe you're looking at a middle six player. So wait, he went to college and he's not smart? (laughs) He's going to be head smart. Doesn't mean he's smart on the ice. (laughs) It's only BU. It's not Harvard, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to find some line mates he's got chemistry with, and then he doesn't even need smarts. He'll just know where they're at. There you go. Well, we'll have to suffer through and watch some BU games and see. But it sounds like he already has a decent role on the team. Yeah, he's, so. he's got four, goal, four goals and two assists in 10 games. Last I mean, season the big with, thing. Uh, with UASHL Waterloo, he had 22 goals, 29 assists in 60 games. The big thing for me is he's getting PK time at BU, so that's another way for him to make progress. So um, Shane Bowers may be not the best piece of this deal to start with because I don't think anyone would argue it was the centerpiece or the targeted piece. Um, that's more likely to be uh, Sam Girard from Nashville, the, the defender, not not the other Girard that they already traded Cody McLeod for. This is the good one. <laughs> this was just the missing piece to the McLeod trade. <laughs> we, we got all the Girards. The long con with the McLeod trade. Yep. And that'll come back up later, too, when we talk about someone else. Did you remember when that happened? Like, everyone joked that this was like when, they, when, the, uh, when the Leafs accidentally signed Jeff Finger. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, we, we got the wrong Gerard. Well, we're never getting that one. Well, well maybe we are. joke's on you. <laughs> so if you're um, active on 
uh, Av's Twitter, you've probably seen his his breakout with the like 37 different spin moves that kept the San Jose Sharks at uh, about a 10-foot gap from him the whole way. What else is in his game? Hey. Hey, on that same play, it wasn't even the spin moves. I mean, yeah, his breakout was fantastic, but what really sold me on him on that play was the pass he made after getting into the offensive zone. He really threaded the needle there, and the guy ended up missing the shot, but it was a great setup. Yeah, he drew like four defenders to himself. He was like, here, you can have this now. I don't want it anymore. My job is done. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if he can continue doing those kind of spin moves because I've seen his highlight package. That's kind of his specialty. If he can keep doing that at the NHL level before they figure it out. And just hit him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or figure out how to stop it. But hey, if it keeps working. But um, yeah, he just looks like a, a really good passer, puck mover, great skater, uh, good power play guy. Hopefully we get to see him on the power play. Yeah, the, the big thing here for me is he's played five games for Nashville already, and he's got four more until a decision has to be made <clears throat> whether to, to send him back to juniors or keep him in the NHL and, and you know basically burn a year of his contract. Um, yeah, we're, we're, what do you think the Avs are thinking here? Knowing the thinking... Avs, I I think they know that they're going to send him back, or leaning that way anyway. Yeah, I would I would think they like the contract to slide. Probably true. There's enough of a back end glut in that kind of developmental area already that adding another guy is just like how where yep. yeah yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I don't think it's that he couldn't play. Like, if they legitimately had a hole in the lineup, I and this is without seeing him play for us, but I believe he probably is would be able to stay up and play, but it is about that roster spot because we're already trying out four, you know, you could say, quote-unquote, young defensemen, and we still have the Muranov situation to deal with, and... Um, it just, it just seems like they wouldn't get him consistent playing time. I don't see them just slotting him in top four and saying we're good, even though I'm sure they would really like to have something to show for trading Duchesne to the fans, but... I mean, it does bring up an interesting situation, right? Not only right now, but going forward into the future, Gerard's going to be on the Avs blue line. And that brings up a lot of questions of how many guys do you want having an offensive tilt to their game on your back end? Because we have Barry, we're going to have Gerard, Makar's going to be coming up quickly, and then you have Timmons, which we'll see where he ends up being as a player once he gets to the pro level. But it seems like something might have to give eventually. Yeah, or even Bigra, who I think leans yeah. a bit that direction. But yeah, is it is it the Avs? Are they ready to embrace this whole kind of you know offensive back end, like go all in with it? Or because you know it, it just seems like they really like their Barbarios and their Nemeths, and for as much as they have stuck with the younger, faster, they do seem to really cling on to those. I guess it's stable stabilizers they see so um yeah so many times we've heard that they they love you know having the sort of ej type defenseman paired with you know a a guy like gerard let's say 
Um, so it, it seems like they, you know, given their druthers, they'd, they'd love to have three solid defensive guys and, and three guys that can score and move the puck really well. Um, you just wonder if, you know, maybe that moves to like four guys that move the puck really well and aren't really huge and clear out the crease or, you know, how, how do they want to play that? Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of that depends on what Jared Bednar and Nolan Pratt have in store going forward, whether they can deal with something like that. I mean, it, it's tough to integrate four guys that really like having the puck into a defense, you know? Because if you have two guys that really like having the puck on the ice at the same time, it just doesn't work that well. The depth, if nothing else, is nice because, I mean, it it only does you so much good to pair a defensively responsible guy with a trigger guy because eventually one of those six players is going to get hurt. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like having the depth is a bad thing. It's just that oh. if, if everyone pans out the way they could, then someone's going to end up having to go. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And we should there's be looking not. to gain more assets. Absolutely. Yeah, if, yeah, because if... it it wouldn't be getting rid of someone because they suck. It would be getting rid of someone because you have too much of a good thing, and you could get another kind of asset that'll help the team more. Yeah, you remember. And what that's that's, like? that's a totally new world. <laughs> right, having having too many NHL established defensemen that that would be something, and they would get yeah. so much value in a trade like that. Yeah, they would. That's where they could really sell high on somebody. Yes. But with Gerard in particular, just the problem is they're going to have to decide in four games what to do with them. Right. Well, yeah, I really want to see how he looks on the defensive end because that's the question mark in his game. And if he can keep up there steadily, boy, we might have hit a home run with him. And and it is said now some teams don't care as much now about the 10-game mark. It's really kind of the 40-game mark, which gives them the the year towards free agency. So like Edmonton bias to me. Yeah. So so they could go past the 10 game and still, still not get to the 40 game, but I don't know. Just the abs seems so conservative with the contract slides and, and Gerard could, is probably a lock for the world junior championships. If he goes back and I don't know, to me, it seems like the abs would love that plan. Have you seen the Team Canada Olympic team? <laughs> I mean, you may have a chance there. Um, I'm just like, I'm just a little bit curious because um, <clears throat> he's already got three points in five games with the Predators, and I'm I'm just curious like how much he really will have to develop still with Shawinigan, um, or or wherever he would end up. You know, the the junior trade market is bananas. Because he's he's had seventy four and seventy five points his last two seasons there, with the uh, the seventy five being last year in fewer games. Like, it's obviously in the queue, so the the high point totals are to be expected. But I mean, like, it's it's probably not the most ideal place for him. But I mean, we're already in getting to mid November, so by the time they would send him back. Um, World Junior camps start early December, so that's pretty much like the whole month. So then we're talking about just January, February, March, pretty much. You know, so I mean, we're just talking about like three, three to four months is really not that long. 
I'd love to see him work on his goal scoring a little bit in June. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. With is, um... the 75-point year he had last year, he only had nine goals and 66 assists, which is fine. If that's his play style, I totally get it, and we can make that work. But it's been a long time since the Avs have had a legitimate goal-scoring threat at the blue line. Like, just for context's sake, I think Milosh had 16 goals last year, so so 10, so 10 and under is... Is definitely kind of, you know, on the lighter side on the goal scoring. And also, when when he was sort of slated to get back, it's also pretty close to when the the trading window opens for the queue. So, yeah, and I think um, he definitely would get traded. So they'll make they would make sure he would get in a good situation. Yeah, and you know, d- depending on where he went, obviously. You know, I'm sure the Avs could facilitate something to the kind of team that he needs to be on to be successful. And that that sort of opens up better development for him in the queue. Um, you know, again, we, we heard that he, you know, it was reported that he was AHL eligible, which is not the case. That would be awesome if he could play in the AHL this year because that might be sort of exactly where he needs to be. But, um, you know, I... I I, I think he definitely could go back to the queue and learn a lot. Oh, for him to remain with the Avalanche, what would need to happen? To have a find a spot for him. four in a row. <laughs> no, I I think it's the opposite. If he looks defensively sound, the Abs seriously have to consider keeping him. And then with the way the Abs have been hitting on injuries right now, if someone else on the defensive end goes down, I think they probably keep him. I just yeah, I say agree. they they have to have a a real role for him, like a, a consistent pairing, a a plan for him, not like part of the rotation that we've been seeing. Like they have to have, uh, like pretty much a top four spot for him, I think, or or a consistent third pair. I just I think they have to know what they're going to do with him first. Now, like you said, if there's a, a major injury, like if they ever figure out what's wrong with Nemeth or something and shut him down, maybe that helps. But I think that's really what's going to need to happen for him to stay. Yeah, I think Rudo's right. I think if he can actually look like he can be solid enough defensively to deal with the NHL this year, then that, that sort of opens up staying past nine games. Um, you, you look at... You know, they've been trying everybody with EJ, and they still haven't gotten anyone to stick. Um, so if, if he comes up and looks like he can play with EJ, like obviously not all 29 minutes EJ plays every night, but, you know, if he could put in 15, 16 minutes a night with EJ uh, and, and look good out there in all three zones, then that, you know, that that's when the decision becomes difficult. Well, I hope so. That would be awesome to see. Uh, that that would be great if if that's what happened. Yeah, because they're obviously not going to pair him with Barry. You know, <laughs> no, sounds yeah. like a lot fun. of fun. But <laughs> I do think Barry does better with someone that can move with the puck. But I do too. But that just that's just too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah, not, not that much. Um, yeah. But I mean, what what definitely would have to happen to make room for him on the roster would 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 be either multiple injuries or a uh, a reassignment for Andre Moronov to San Antonio again. I think he's pretty clearly the eighth D right now. 
Yeah. yeah, at the very least, they'd have to cut bait with him. But you're not. Yeah. You can't just interchange them perfectly because if you're keeping Gerard with the abs, he's gonna play. He's not gonna right. sit. Because then you're gonna yeah. have to decide: Do you sit Barbario? Do you sit Lindholm? Do you sit Bigrod? Do you sit Zadorov? Like there are no good options. Yeah, I still think no matter how good he plays, he's he's so young, he would still have to sit maybe, you know, not as often as the other guys, but you know, it, it you just see with young guys that, that sitting them, whether it's once every ten games or once every fifteen games or whatever, it, it, it does help them to sort of sit back and watch and take a night off and, and sort of and get the bird's eye view. Um, but you know, being sitting three games in a row, like we've, we've seen with a, a lot of the young guys so far, I, I don't think that would. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Every once in a while is no problem, but it's, it just seems like they still have not sorted out the defense and I, and adding one more guy to it just, just doesn't seem like it's going to get solved. Yeah. It seems messy and him going back to the queue is probably the most likely outcome here. Um, and hopefully he comes out of camp next season and plays his way onto the roster. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think he could. And grows two inches. <laughs> we don't need big guys anymore. It's okay. That's what we got Kamenev for, even though he's a forward. But <laughs> Vladislav Kamenev, no. forward. Imagine how good Gerard video. would be if he was six feet tall, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him really tall skate blades so that we can talk about Kamenev. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> so Vladislav Kamenev is um, a forward who I've been told by other voices currently in the room has a real high chance of, of being on the Az roster soon. Explain yourselves. Yeah, I'm not quite as high as I was because apparently everyone on the Avs magically got healthy, but I still think he's one of the top options for a call-up for this year for the Avs. He's put up really solid numbers in the AHL, especially last year, and he's almost a point per game this year, I think, and his size helps him a lot as well. It's kind of interesting because as far as a call-up goals, he plays very differently than AJ Greer, but they're kind of going to fill the same role in a call-up situation. If someone in the bottom six goes down, they're both going to be an option. So last year with the Milwaukee Admirals, Kamenev had 21 goals, 30 assists in 70 games, and this year he has 3-5 and five in 10 games. So almost a point a game. I would and say he's with playing him. on a very good team too. I mean, it, it, this isn't the rampage we're talking about. Um, Milwaukee is is basically a factory for the NHL. Gee, I wonder how Nashville is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they sent fifteen guys for a game at least uh, to the <clears throat> to the Predators last year. And it is exciting because we are tapping into some Nashville development with him. He's played two full seasons in the AHL, which that's pretty close to when when some serious NHL time needs to happen. And I know he's had he had two games with Nashville last year, but should really be um, be ready for for NHL time. And nice thing with him is that he started in the AHL at 19, so he got that experience right at a young age, and he's still young. But he has all that pro experience. Yeah, that, that wasn't and, Andrew Agazino AHL year. That was a 19-year-old season that he, that he 
Um, in, that was 15, 16, his 19-year-old season, right? Where he had yeah. 15 to, he had 37 points in 57 games as a 19-year-old in the A. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. and then last year, I think it was 51 points, and I looked it up that that was second on the team. I think Aberg had 52 or something like that. So, I mean, that's showing you what a young guy is producing in the AHL, and that's not easy. That's that's almost like Miko territory when you're that young and you get right. into 50, 50, 60 points. Not to say he's going to be like Miko, but it, the, that production is impressive. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's great for the Avs organization. I will say... Earlier in the year, I thought for sure at some point Tony Notto was going to get games in the NHL. Kamenev might be stealing that spot from him. Maybe. It depends what plan they have for Tony Notto, but the way he's looked in the AHL, they can't deny him the opportunity, I guess you would say. I mean, it's obviously going to take an injury or two, but but we have one forward off the roster, so that helps in one regard. Yeah, that does open up a spot. That's true. And um, I think it'll happen. I mean, they might, just by their usage of Tone and Otto in the AHL, they're probably not thinking quite as quick as maybe we were, but I would still be surprised if they never called him up. Like, you know, if Kamenov now and Tone and Otto, like, I don't, I don't really think we need to be bothering with more Rocco, but, you know, no, yeah. he's still there. <laughs> the, the, this move marked the end of Rocco for me. Still there. He's still there. You can't. If you can't catch him, you can't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that this move does, not only Kamenev, but I guess Gerard a bit as well, is the Avs should now be wide open for business come the trade deadline. Barbario, Como, Nieto, maybe even Soderberg, if anyone is interested, or possibly even a guy maybe like Bigra. I know nobody wants to hear that, but... Well, it depends what the offer would be, but yeah. Yeah, with with Nemeth. a lot of the recent Avalanche moves, Bigra is not as absolutely pivotal to the franchise as he once was. They still can't get just get rid of him. But. No, but like it, 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 <laughs> if you made a deal for him, that it's like it's yeah, you want to listen, as opposed to be like, no, I need that guy. Hang up the phone. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that, and well. If we're going down the Bigrov path, are we going down the Zadorov path? <clears throat> yep. Boy, I listen to a lot more <laughs> on Bigrov than I would on Zadorov. Let's put it that way. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't even seen Gerard in the NHL yet, but but we do have a lot more things now. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just there, there's a ton mission than there was two years ago or even last year. So. Um, it's just such yeah, a we're, we're sort of getting into problems you'd like to have. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can match up really well with it if we start building a, a defensive core like this. You start matching up in trades with with, with teams like Dallas or, or Toronto that sort of have a lot of one thing but not a lot of another. Um, yeah, so, we might actually have something teams want instead of trying to pawn off Tootin. Yeah, it's like teams yeah. call us. <laughs> I, it's not just, just Joe bothering everybody anymore. It's like people call Joe and say, hey, we really like this guy, and you kind of don't have space for him. I just kind of worry that they'll look too good and not want to move anyone. Now, granted, I'm still talking about like 80 point too good. 
they'll just be like, <laughs> no, we can't move Blake Como. He's integral to our 80-point season. Well, I mean, so, I, and I think injuries will play into that. If if injuries, Sonato and Kamenev come up and you know play a few games and and show off what they can do, hopefully, you know that sort of says like you know maybe we don't need Blake Como all that much or don't need Matt. We can put these guys in. They're they're defensively sound. They can and. You know, we we can still make a playoff run that we aren't going to really make anyway, but we're still in it because of the standings. Uh, um, Lay down that road. What are we doing with Hammond? I mean, Vegas is starting Maxime Lagasse still, so. Yeah, Andrew Hammond is the uh, fourth player in this deal. He comes from Ottawa. He is signed to Oops Dollars a year. Um, He has been not an NHL goaltender since their magical playoff run with him in the net. I think we need him until Spencer Martin proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he could come up and play, you know, two or three NHL games and give the team a chance to win. Yeah. Yeah. I like him there as kind of the third, he is the third goalie at this point. Um, But I still would listen if someone gets desperate out there you know, I I, I want to hear what the offer is, and, and that, it's but not. But Yogi just cleared waivers, and Yogi's probably better than Hammond. But yeah. he, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, I guess. It, I guess it depends. But it, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, a lot of the. I issues... think at the trade deadline, you might see some interest. You know, it's just someone with a a really untimely injury. You know, you might get an offer or something like that, but. Well, at the deadline, uh, maybe they should be listening on Bernier and yeah, yeah, absolutely, they should. And Hammond could be the backup if if they make that deal. Yeah, that well, would, that would if if you're gonna move Bernier, then that means that you know that Spencer's ready to take the the number two job next year, and I'm not comfortable with that I yet. Don't, you, you really think Bernier would sign again season. though? It's fine. Yeah, I think Bernier would, you know. If he has a decent season, I think he's going to look to cash in. I don't think he's like Hammond might be someone that you could say we want to sign as a real number three for the Eagles next year or whatever. But Bernier, I, I don't know if he's going to come back just to be a backup again. I wouldn't. It depends. I, I think the interview he had after not the not last night's game, but the last time he played before that, he was talking about a lot of work that he was doing with Yossi Parkela that was really changing his style and. You know that could that could be something that would keep him in this role beyond this year, um, if he was interested in staying. And you know he wasn't quite where he wanted to be. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to read into where he's he thinks he's going to be in the next two three years. But I, um, I just don't see it with the abs moving toward the futures package. Clearly, here with this trade, we should take whatever we can get as far as picks are concerned for Bernier. I mean, he's not part of the solution long term I don't think yeah yeah they need to be open to offers for just about everything at this point and not for LO trades but like you know realistic trades right we have nine picks next year now is it we should shoot for like 12 yeah that that would be fantastic and then then they could really look at actually doing things with picks which we never thought they would even have the opportunity to do stuff like that. Like trade them for aging players? 
<laughs> no, not that. <laughs> so obviously, uh, the only pieces remaining in this deal are not really something you can have much of a conversation about. It's first, second, and third round picks. The third is in 2019, and the reason for that is, from the Ottawa perspective, it's not anything to do with ours. Um, Ottawa have no first. Ottawa have no second. <laughs> they almost didn't have a third, so I'm well, not too annoyed with taking the, the 2019 third in, in this situation, because it's just a third. Did we ever clarify on that first? I know it's top 10 protected, and Ottawa's going to make the playoffs this year, but if somehow they finished like just out of the playoffs in 14th, do we get that pick and have a shot at the lottery? No, I, th- I think it'd be after the lottery, so they're going to see what happens with the pick. And then they would decide. Okay. The, the language on cap friendly is very specific. It, it doesn't say if Ottawa finishes in you know the in a certain position. It says if the 2018 first is a top ten pick, Ottawa okay. will retain the pick, and Colorado will receive a 2019 first instead. Got it. So if they win the lottery, they move into top three. Got it. Right. Or if they tank that to hell and end up in tenth, they won't. They no, they won't. But they'd be kind of funny. I'd feel bad for Duchesne, honestly. No. no. I'll take an 11th. That works for me. I mean, yeah, yeah. great for the abs, but for <laughs> Duchesne personally. So that's the Duchesne trade. Um, we don't see much impact on the roster right now, if any. So We'll see it as soon as next year for sure, though. Yeah, I mean, we'll see it over the next four games. Yeah, yeah, we should see some Gerard time. And Kamenev, I think, will be sooner than later. But in terms of high impact on the roster, like Duchesne-level impact, it's going to be a little while before the Avalanche see that. So, I guess the real impact is just giving Comfer and Jost and Kerfoot maybe bigger roles is yeah, really Comfort what... scheduled to be the 2C now, which I love. Yeah, same. Yeah. He's been excellent in his role, and giving him more space to grow is fine with me. As long as we also see Kerfoot get the same treatment instead of getting limited time with uh, with Greer and, and Yak. He played 21 minutes in the game. Nobody watched, which we'll get to. But... <laughs> which I didn't so... know because I didn't watch. <laughs> he also scored two goals at the end. Yeah. So he's he's deserved... I think I think he's earned uh, more ice time, and I understand he was on that fourth line because they wanted to put a center there. But hopefully, with with Duchesne gone now, they they figure out something a little bit more permanent for those three. Yeah, yeah the decision has to come on which one of them gets moved to wing permanently. Which one of Confer Jost and Kerfoot? Out they could switch three, around. I, I think you have to pick. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably right. because you you don't want to take Confer's defensive play out of the middle. I still think, I think Confer Jost can play defensively on the wing just fine, but <laughs> I think Ghost is the wing. I think Confer is, but. Well, well, I, know what, I know what I know Bedner said, but we'll see. Yeah, nobody seems to come to a consensus on this one. <laughs> well, it's been a while since we've seen Tyson Jost as well. Um, so, well, there's a, there's a lack of uh, 
and with his his NHL sample being so small, there's just kind of a lack of of pictures in our heads of what Tyson Jost does. So yeah, well, he hasn't had a really consistent role either. I just want them to find one for him. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have I think to they're be trying. Yeah, it doesn't have to be top six. If they could solidify him into like a third line center role, I think, and give him some power play time. Yeah, that's I've that always too. wanted Jost to spend this year as the three C, honestly. See, I'd rather see him as the wing on Landy and Mac, or uh, Mac and Miko's line. Will he shoot the I, puck? I... Yeah, Jost will shoot the puck. <laughs> then do it. Yeah, Jost. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I, I, I mean, I think Sven was okay there, but you know, obviously Landy was a huge upgrade. But I, I you know, I really think with Comfer back as the second center that they're going to want Landy next to him, and yeah. And, they're probably not going to bury him like they did before because Carl has shown that, that that line can probably take a little bit more of that role away. And that'll allow Comfer and Landy to, to be a little bit more offensively inclined, which is nice. But, um, you know, I'd, I think it'd be nice to get Jost on that top line just for a little bit, just to see if he can hang there. That's true. He was there when he got injured. That's yeah. Let's get him like two minutes a night on the power play first and see if that's working. Did he get time. time before? Not really. A little. Not much. Not much. Yeah, late in games kind of thing. Um, so that's the Duchesne trade. Yeah, There's something. A lot, of, a lot of vision, a lot of future, a lot of next year and what it means right now is you're going to see a whole lot more of the younger names a whole lot more of the youth movement with bigger roles um, which is what that, we wanted it's what we wanted yeah which um, yeah definitely definitely glad to see it does seem like you know i really felt like this year i really want to see that commitment to the younger faster but for it to continue and and i do like seeing that that um you know i was a little worried maybe with with the decent start they didn't really want to rock the boat maybe you know, they want to kind of keep it rolling. And so it's nice to see that they actually did the trade. It seems like it's going to benefit the young guys that we just talked about. And yeah. it, it's see it keep going. I hope to see, you know, when more of these things come up, you know, when they need to make the next round of call-ups or whatever it is to just kind of like keep going down this path. And But, but so far, so good. So far... You know, that's been my biggest kind of concern for this whole year, and it seems like so far, um, you know, other than kind of like the, the shuffling of roles, I think I've been pretty satisfied with how they've handled the youth movement. I think it's Trust nice that Soderberg and Como have sort of been their own self-contained veteran unit, along with Nieto. Um, that's sort of... <clears throat> it, it's a nice change-up, just because... You know, they they do what they do, and they, they've been doing it well. And I, I don't think they're taking time away from prospects in a bad way or, or younger players in a bad way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's but they're still easy. leaving plenty of time on ice for the other guys. I yeah, I, I'm definitely happy that they, they're in a useful role, and I think it benefits the team to have Soderbergh contributing. Absolutely. It's just, it's just easier to find a scratch when it was those guys. And now, assuming that we're going to see full health, maybe, maybe not, who knows, 
and the scratches are going to become kind of a, interesting again. Of course, one less forward there with Duchesne gone helps, but you know we're still going to see, you know, how they could construct those bottom two lines, especially. I think they're going to keep juggling all the way up until the trade deadline when we finally move people. There's not going to be a whole lot of set stuff. Yeah, who knows? But we'll we'll have to have to wait and see. Um, but but that's the general sense of the Matt Duchesne trade. Um, it's a it's enough chatter to fill up its own shortish podcast. But we don't we don't do shortish podcasts here, do we? Probably not. Never. Would you? Not with the four of us. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, on Thursday, uh, Avs win five three over the Carolina Hurricanes with Simeon Varlamov making seven or fifty seven saves all on his own. I almost said seventy five, which it, it wasn't that bad. Um, it, it, I mean, it's 60, 75. Yeah, it's about the same thing. Scoring for Colorado were Patrick Nemeth, Blake Como, Carl Soderberg, Gabe Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen. Points from everywhere. Every line, every position. Then on Saturday, Avs win an exciting one, 5-4 in the shootout against the Philadelphia Flyers with real goals from Como, Rantanen, and Yak, and Duchesne. His last is an avalanche. Um, the shootout winner was a... Gorgeous little thing from from Miko Ran, and he can do that as often as he likes. And then on Sunday, despite the Duchesne trade mid-game, the Avs continued to play, and none of us watched anymore. But they lost to New York Islanders six four with Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog, and Alex Kerfoot times two getting the Avs goals. And both of those Kerfoot goals kind of came in LOL time, so I don't know how much you, uh, stock you want to put in those. Um, they were one, good plays. One last. Uh, kind of mention of both this game and the Duchesne trade is why this happened mid-game against the Islanders. Um, everyone kind of expected this deal to be done on Saturday. Ottawa had a plane in Philly waiting, and uh, Nashville couldn't get it done with Turris quick enough. That's what it came down to. Wasn't the asphalt. Or they, Nashville didn't offer enough. More that. One of those I think two, it was both, kind of, yeah. yeah. It, it, I just know that it wasn't on the Avs, and he got yanked out of the game to keep the asset from getting hurt because that's what you do. Yeah, I get <laughs> people. I definitely get by that. Why I don't definitely get the game's over. So you don't the hurt sense that that it was supposed to happen days before. So at that point, they, I I guess they could have held him out of that game, but I'm trying to remember. I don't. Unless they went 7-D with Miranov again, they, they wouldn't have had enough forwards. Yeah. Yeah. So that that wasn't really ideal there. Um, I don't know. It was weird, but I, I understand you got to do what you got to do. Like it, the deal's not done till it's done. and. I mean, we come and find out afterward that all of everyone's thoughts were confirmed and Duchesne had requested a trade a year ago. So I'm sure he was happy to get out of there as soon as possible. He looked happy. <laughs> yeah, in that conference and, this morning you did, eh? And you definitely don't want him to go out and get hurt. Yeah, no. And and have the deal fall apart. So it's awkward, but but it is what it is. But I I honestly I just didn't take it serious that it that all this was really happening because you just been hearing about it for so long, and I thought maybe closer to the devil or. Maybe. This week, I mean, 
maybe I should have taken it more serious when the, the rumors came out on Friday, but it just seemed like, you know, perfect time for a rumor right before the NHL event, right? Well, we've just been dealing with them for so long, at least for me personally. I kind of almost forgot how much this was kind of looming in the background, and then once it finally happened, it all kind of just hits you like a truck. Yeah. It was just kind of like, this is never going to happen, and then it finally did. We're like, oh, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. He didn't yeah, like, lock Blake Como down the tunnel. Why would Duchesne be playing with Como? I, I <laughs> thought he was injured. I thought it was like, oh, perfect, because... Because all this would have fallen apart if he got hurt. And I, I thought he got injured. Now, nobody saw a hit or anything. So, I mean, I didn't think it was like, you know, anything catastrophic. But that was my first thought was like, oh, he's hurt too. Because we, we lost all those guys in the games before too. Like Lindholm and Miko left the other game for a couple minutes. And just another one of those. And then it was like, no, something's really happening. And then... Yeah, and then it got real. And then we had about three hours to yell at each other about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad they said what the trade was. You know, I've heard some like, maybe they should have waited. It's like, <laughs> no. wait two more hours and everyone's going crazy. Like, what's the yeah. trade? What's the trade? The, the 30 minutes between when he went off the ice and when they actually announced what we got was just pandemonium on Twitter. There was so much misinformation running around. Well, the problem yeah. was they weren't saying what we were getting at all. Like, right. if they even Nothing. said one name or something, like, they just put up Gerard out there, it would have been something, but... You know, then you're just like, what is it? And then the longer it took, it was like, well, you know, it's not going to be a name. Yeah, and that's the funny thing because Taurus is involved. (laughs) But no, but it's like, oh, Duchesne was traded. Oh, it doesn't matter what Colorado got. All you need (laughs) to know is Duchesne was traded. (laughs) Hey, I'll give them some credit though. Once they found out, they said the Abs did a good job with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think you mean media. I, yeah, mainstream. I think which I think this... is weird because the the Avs just got smashed for years because of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, and they're oh, they just got futures. They got nothing out of that guy, and he's just amazing. And you know, here we're we're trading Duchesne, and we get you know, I, I don't want to characterize it as a as a basket of of mixed prospects and picks, and who knows what it's going to be, but. You know, there's there's not a lot of surety in there, yeah, um, like, but everyone likes it this time, and I'm I'm kind of wondering why. I mean, is it is it they sort of saw that, you know, the the Riley trade maybe turned out better than we thought, even though Zadorov is looking iffy and I would and say no. Yeah, I, I think the, the opinion on the Zadorov trade is going down now. Ho- hopefully, Comfer will once people realize that Comfer is like an actual player. And he's good. And, and Greer. And, <laughs> oh, and you know, well, the, the there, there's a lot more to that trade. I mean, that you know, people forgot that there it, there was a basket of futures attached to that. Yeah, um, I think there's just more tangible pieces to the Duchesne trade when you compare. Everyone just pretty much wrote off everything but Zadorov in the O'Reilly trade. And in this one, they have three solid names of players, that two of which have already played a few games in the NHL. So they actually have a bit more of a sense of what it is. Yeah, well, also the, with the O'Reilly deal, they cut, everyone kind of latched on the Grigorenko. It's like, oh, that guy's a bust. So you're trading for your, player, player, your player for a bust. Ah! I mean... Yeah, I think Gerard is uh, kind of a hot name in 
in Canada and in, in the people that follow prospects. But I do wonder, like, if they send him back to the queue, if it kind of becomes kind of a, you know, like, oh, here's just another bunch of futures. But I think what is propping it up at this point is just the sheer number. Like, you don't see a trade, a one-for-seven trade. And I think that's what's catching people's eyes, is they're seeing the multiple picks, the multiple prospects. And and saying that, you know, that, that just wouldn't have happened with a one-team trade. So that, that is just pretty unusual. But, yeah, if, the, if none of those are, like, in the NHL soon, then I think it is going to start going down that road. Especially if Duchesne is producing an auto where it's like, oh, the Avs got nothing. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the O'Reilly trade, and granted, McGinn was part of that as well, you know, that returned five assets when you factor in the San Jose trade, getting our picks back in there second as well. Um, you know, it's, it, they're, they're similar. It's obviously, you got a lot more for Duchesne. Um, but it's just it's interesting to me that, that <clears throat> you know, there, there's some definite parallels there. And it's just, you know, everybody being so positive about this one, and yet they were so negative about the O'Reilly trade when it happened. It, it's, it's kind of odd. Well, it's situational, right? When we made the O'Reilly trade, there was still that aura of this team is still going to be pushing to make the playoffs, right? And this year, everyone is like, well, the Avs are rebuilding. It's fine. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to, it'll turn sooner than later once it's like... Yeah, no, I agree. If Especially... Tom like five games this year and doesn't show well in the NHL, the media is going to be like, oh, what a terrible trade. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that, you know, with the, the way that analytics have, have gotten into sort of how you can project guys and um, the way the Avs have actually taken advantage of that and the way that they seem to be evaluating young talent, at least. Um. You know, it seems like there's a quality difference between the guys we got this time and the picks oh. we got. Oh, I and I agree that Grigorenko and Zadorov kind of, you know, they weren't ascending as prospects, I guess you could say, at the time. Yeah. So it was kind of seen as kind of a second chance. Like, nobody sees trading Gerard as a second chance or, you know, anything yeah, I mean, like that. But, like, none of these guys are on the second chance. Yeah. And that helps. Or maybe it was just the media just seriously thought the Avs were just, they, they'd overplayed their hand and we're just going to have to settle for a couple firsts or, or something. I don't know. Does Sackick holding out have anything to do with it this time? That he actually got what he wanted, essentially? Does that make it a brighter light? I think getting, I think he gets credit for getting the, the, the three way to work. I, I think he, it that doesn't happen without all parties, so I think he gets credit for finding a solution and getting getting all those assets. So maybe maybe they're giving a little credit to him for for being able to execute something that isn't exactly easy. Yeah, I mean it. You know, it seemed like you know the the main part of the deal started with Ottawa, and then. You know, the Avs turning around and flipping tourists to Nashville and then making that work and getting a nice haul there. You know, th that was that was the real work that was done was probably what happened between, let's say, McFarland and 
the the Nashville organization because you know that was obviously the holdup in Philadelphia, and that that was probably the the final thing that needed to happen to make the whole thing work. What would the media have said if we did it for Hamannick in a first? <laughs> yeah, probably not good. Probably not good. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Probably kind of like what they would have said if it was Adam Larson. Uh, so I tried <laughs> to bring our conversation back to the actual games on the ice. I, I did try. Uh, <laughs> no one cares. No, no one, one cares. No one cares that much. So we'll just give the summation um, by jumping straight to stars and scratches. Um, I think an easy pick this week has to be Nathan McKinnon. For sure. Yeah. It was, it was appropriate. Yeah, his goal start of the second period, right? As we find out what we got for Duchesne, McKinnon puts his stamp on it and says, this is my team now. I guess very poetic, but I, I, I'll can, I can go with that. <laughs> um, I give one to Miko. I think, is he still tied in, in the points lead for the team? I think Barry has it now. Yeah, Tyson, Barry's got some points. Yeah, Miko got blanked last night, so I think Barry Uh-oh. passed him. Yeah, Miko okay, has five goals, seven assists. Barry didn't has two he goals, twelve. Score assists. in like, didn't he score in like three straight games or something? Miko did. Something I think. Like I think as you know, as maybe we beat him up a little bit earlier, not looking great five on five. I mean, I think what's getting lost in the media and and maybe in the narratives is that he's he's producing like. You know, he's supposed to have a sophomore slump or whatever, and he's he's not. I mean, I know we kind of expect more from him, but he's he's still putting up points. I think yeah. you should get credit for that as a as still a young guy and he's in a big role and slumping. I'll give my star to Landy, um for still playing fantastic and in, in the whatever role they give him and playing all game basically and also for his wonderful thoughts after the the game with the Islanders. <laughs> he has a shout out there, Johnson man. <laughs> and then and a subsequent shout out to EJ for his thoughts on on Dater's YouTube. Yeah, I, I was going to give my start to EJ, too, not only for being the emotional leader of saying everyone still here wants to be here, but he quietly has picked up his offense a little bit. He picked up two assists over this week, and defensively, he has been pretty much the only consistently reliable guy in the defensive end. Yeah, but so it's, it, for both of those guys, it's just it's really nice to see that um, it, it's their team now. You know, and Mac too, obviously, but you know, um, so that's pretty much you know, the they, they sort of reinforced that they were the guys that wanted to be there and wanted to make it all work. And Matt didn't, and now he's gone, and now they're moving forward. Yep, and I think it's nice that all three stars is basically the top line and your top defenseman. Yeah, yeah. nice when your best players are your best players. Womp womp. And we did all those without even mentioning Varley. Yeah, 57 saves and you don't get a star. Yeah, tough crowd. I didn't see that game. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. He had a good week too, though. He had a... He was good in the Philly game as well. Yeah, I'll just give a shout-out to the Philly game for just being awesome all by itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a fun game. That was that was a game where it was offense and because of ability, not because of ineptitude. Yeah. Yeah, that that was fun. Both teams are really trying hard in that game. So on the other side, who are we gonna throw under the scratch bus this week? Everyone for getting hurt. Yeah. Do you want me to go first again? Nemeth for for leaving his third game out of eleven that he's played. <laughs> um, I've I'll give a scratch to Bernie because he really wasn't that great last night, and I realize they're majorly extenuating circumstances. But even even <clears throat> even before the news came out, and I guess they all knew, so it's it's hard to differentiate that. But he didn't. He didn't play well, and and that's happened a couple of times now, and it's it's a little bit troubling. <laughs> was it two phantom nemeth? <laughs> <laughs> was it two to nothing before the before it went down? At least the the first goal was pretty early. That the first goal was pretty quick. It, yeah. it was one to nothing in intermission, right? No, it was two to nothing. Was it two to nothing? Yeah, two zip, yeah. I don't, two zip. I don't fucking know what happened. It was one nothing. Duchesne <laughs> left. Everyone panicked, and then New York scored another goal. Oh, okay. Did okay. They? Yeah. Um, and, and, have... and of those, uh, of the the six goals he led in last night, four of them were scored by Avalanche players. Yeah. So that get, that's difficult. It, it's really hard to stop the other team. We all know this, but it, it's almost impossible to stop your own guys if they're trying to score on you. Yeah, Bernier did give up a lot of goals to tremendous amounts of bullshit. Um, yeah, but at the, at the same time, a lot of bullshit got its found its way through you. What's going on? Yeah. Um, but hopefully that's just a one-off thing. Everyone has one. Everyone has games like that where it just finds its way behind you. Um, yeah, the, the I game mean, that, uh, it's 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 a crazy game. So I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to take anything well, from it. It, it just you'd, you'd like to see a little better performance there, I guess. It was set up for emotional letdown even before we knew what was happening. Just the way yeah. they kind of left it all on the ice at Philly, and then then just and Como goes down, and he's you know heart and soul of the team. <laughs> yeah, that was a, who's apparently not injured too severely. We should mention. Yeah. He may play on Friday. There's a lot of pretty much half the roster is he might play. <laughs> it sounded like Comfort was actually one of the closest ones to being back, which is great news. Yeah. Um, but the name I wanted to throw out was Nelia Kupov. Please stop with these hilarious penalties for no reason. Uh, you see, I was all on board for scratching Yak until he scored that goal. He, yeah, yeah, he was good in the Philly game. His last hurrah with Duchesne. He scored. You'll know, always goal, have that. But what are you doing with your stick? Yeah, the offensive zone penalties were bad. I have to admit that. Stop it. Yeah, if I were Bednar, I'd, I'd make him do ten push-ups every time the stick <laughs> leaves the ice in practice. <laughs> Can't pull any hamstrings that way, at least. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I yeah, think you guys I are mean, missing uh, an obvious one in Rocco. Uh, yeah. Fair? Like, he's not an NHL player. He's being asked to be. But yeah, he, in the, the Carolina game, I, if I can remember right, yeah, because he, he missed the Philly game. Yeah, the Carolina game, yeah, that wasn't pretty, I think. Gruesome I think turnovers. On the ice for 
three goals against, and two were definitely probably caused by him. And yeah, and yeah, Rock was not my favorite, but the Corsi percentage of his line was like well, fifteen percent or something ridiculous. Fifteen twenty percent, which for those of you who are not stat minded, that's not good. That's that's bad. It was in single digits during the second period at one point. So. <laughs> I think yeah. he was okay in the Islanders game, but nobody can verify that. So yeah, that game, he was yeah. good at the end. I mean, he was out there with uh, Kerf and Sven for most of the last couple of shifts. I mean, the game was only ten minutes long. How much could he actually have done? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then after, and then the Avalanche conceded, and the game ended one to nothing. And then Kerfoot said, "Nope, I want two goals." And then and the Islanders said, "Well, then we want five. And Colorado, <laughs> you know what? You were you were ahead as it was, so that's fine. Does that go down in the books as a forfeit by trade? <laughs> <laughs> Goes down as something, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, probably they, the I strangest. mean, if you're the staff, you're just tossing that one in the can. I mean, that's, you know... <laughs> there, there's, there's really... I mean, there, everybody knew what was going on probably by intermission if they didn't know before that, so... Yeah, when they get to intermission and Duchesne's crap is gone. Yeah, <laughs> he's all showered and shaved and got his bags next to him. Hey, well, boy. Um, but yeah, it's as many goals as the team gave up this week and as many shots as the team gave up this week. It's really just kind of hard to find a whole lot in the way of scratches because it's just been such a long week that it's a lot hard to remember everything. And it was yeah. fairly decent games. I mean, yeah, you... You want to see them win a, a nice two to one at some point, you know, where they had great defense. But you know, if this is what it is right now, they're scoring goals and they're winning. So at least it's all fun. in all, it's, yeah, yeah, all in all, it's fun week. <laughs> and you, yeah, you wait, wait till we play Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see him give up sixty shots in a single game. But I mean, go look at the heat maps. At no point were Carolina taking a huge amount of dangerous shots. They they were outside most of that game, shooting everything from everywhere. And it's not like the Avs are good enough where we're expecting a real Corsi merit win every night. No, and and it's not to excuse giving up sixty shots and ninety Corsi events or whatever it was, but like it wasn't as tremendously terrible as it looked. It was bad, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't sixty shots bad. Um. But yeah, the the next game is against Matt Duchesne and the Ottawa Senators. How about that? Yeah, he still gets to go to Sweden. So we've got good old ninety five. So we've got the week for the Avs to adjust to Swedish local time. Um, then I think they're already in Stockholm and Ottawa, if not already there, are close behind. Um, so we have four days off again. I know you're all very excited about that. My eyes are huge, but this is an audio podcast, so I have to tell you that. Um, then on Friday, they take on the Ottawa Senators in Stockholm at 2 o'clock noon Mountain Time. And then they do the same on Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. All of these games will be on NHL Network and Altitude and Sportsnet. So wherever you live, you're probably blacked out at Game Center. Tough luck. <laughs> Awesome. Why market one of your global events? Why would you do that? Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> or, I mean, what's what's really going on at noon on Friday on NBC Sports Network? 
I wonder if they blacked out people in Sweden from watching the game. <laughs> I can't. I can't encourage tape delay though. What NHL Network does with tape delay is just horrific. It's, yeah, it's, it's awful. disgusting and wrong. There's so many good things to show. You just can't do it all at once, I guess. <laughs> so many good things. The one game. In <laughs> <laughs> they they two, couldn't two, make him play at midnight for us. Two games. That's true. Three. It could have been at two in the morning. Yeah, those are probably pretty late local starts. So I've got to think. Like, probably like seven or eight, yeah. Like at least eight. Isn't Sweden six hours ahead of New York time? They might be seven. I'm not yeah. sure. And, I'm and not the sure daylight saving. Uses, which is over now. I think, it, I think it might be close to eight, but... Well, it's, right, we've I don't know. The, we're at the end of the show. We're just kind of grasping at straws anyway. Sweden time <laughs> zone. Google, talk to me. <laughs> hey Cortana they, What Sweden, time is it in Sweden? Sweden is a CET Which is Greenwich plus an hour And I think New York is Greenwich minus 5 Yeah I'm pretty sure we're minus 7 here So that'd be 8 Yeah so it's 8 and hours whatever... from Denver So yeah. 6 hours from New York I was right You were right I thought it might be farther I was thinking of Sest but it's CET That's Finland Yeah and who knows what daylight savings? I don't even know what time it is. So it's two forty-eight in Sweden right now. It's also two forty-eight wherever you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> All of you, wherever you are, whenever you are, it's two forty-eight. Welcome to two forty-eight. <laughs> it could be a.m. or p.m. Whatever floats your boat. It's just two forty-eight. I think that's the first time Cortana's ever worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that actually worked. <laughs> so, how many goals do the Avs have to score to outscore Matt Duchesne, and how many points will they get? I think he'll get three points. Okay. Over I think the it's week. a trap. I think it's a trap for both teams. Yeah, I'd, I'd be thrilled with the split. Yeah. Duchesne's going to score at least one goal. It's going to happen. Um, but I think three points is a good guess. They want the exciting games. The refs are going to make it a, make sure one gets to overtime. Going straight conspiracy right off the bat, eh? Yep. We're going, if they're not going to broadcast the games, no one will know that uh, they cheated. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that's even more tinfoil than I usually use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I no, I think the Avs will be good. They've got, well, with Lindholm out, they still have three kind of hometown boys there that I think all are going to put in the extra effort. If Soderbergh makes it. Like, we don't know who's going to play in this game. Like, it'll probably be hilarious to listen back because there's about eight guys that are maybe. Yeah, Soderbergh is currently in Denver celebrating the birth of a child if everything goes okay. Um,. And he should be able to be good to join the team, and hopefully he can adjust to a time difference in a hurry. And then Nieto is actually on IR. Um, is that conference. where he is? Yeah. Nieto conference. just disappeared, so it's good to know where he's at. Thank you. Wait, he's, Nieto's on IR? Yeah, I think so. And then, and Cole, then Cole took a picture of Lindholm in the Denver airport last night. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Comfort Jost Wilson are still on IR. He's in the airport, so he might be traveling then. Yeah, I think he was probably on his... He, he must... I don't know. Why would he be checking... He, he was at a counter, so why would he be... I don't know. He might have been at the TCBY, I guess. Um, I, th- I think Lindholm's going to make it over there. He might not play, but I think he'll he'll be over there at least. I think he got shut down, but we'll see. Well, the word is is that he messed up his hand and his jaw is fine. I think the guy tweeted he made a mistake. Oh, okay. Dan Rosen. Yeah. I mean, who knows? This is what the injury stuff has devolved to. Nobody knows. These guys aren't out long term, but it was actually. I think it's the rest of the NHL has just sort of opened their eyes to the way the Avalanche works, and they're they're just a little bit confused. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a body Nemeth, injury. And then Nemeth left the game again, and you know you you think you might be okay after about a week, but who knows? There and was he ever really in the game. <laughs> well, if no one saw him leave, did he really leave? Those those so. ten minutes that uh, that ten minutes of that Islanders game, Nimitz was pretty ungood. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost feel like the most confident person that I, the person I'm most confident I'm going to see on the ice in Sweden is Samuel Gerard. Yeah, I think he's the only one confirmed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And everyone else is just a, a solid maybe. And Gabe Landeskog, sick or injured or ni- or neither, he'll be there. Yeah, and he's and gonna play hard. And Bionic Eric Carlson. What's it like skating on one angle? Yeah, that just true. took a little bit of the bone off. No problem. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's weird. It's for sure. It's weird. Casually, just like still one of the best defenders in the league. <laughs> Fuck you, Ottawa. I, I think the 24 hours of fun is, has gotten to us. I think you're right. <laughs> we probably need to go ahead and give it a wrap. Um, yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in again this week. We should be back on our normal day next week. Um, I don't know how informed most of us will be about the games. It depends on how, if we're able to watch and if we can get access to it on Game Center, if I'm even in town. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but we'll definitely be here with extremely strong opinions. You know, that's for sure. Whether we have anything behind them or not. So make sure to uh, check us out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio. The show is always posted to burgundyrainbow.com. You can catch us there. We can leave us a comment, yell at me about the audio quality. Um, the iTunes is always fully stocked of podcasts for you to download and subscribe to. Um, your favorite RSS catcher can find us join us on the site, join us on the Discord and join us in Sweden we will see you next no one cares about Ottawa in the States yeah that's, I know. that's the team you're most likely to forget if Edmonton's on American TV Ottawa's not going to be on American TV it's hard to forget Carolina. They they did kind of win, I think. No, that but I can't watch them, so I just forget about yeah, them. Yeah, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone remembers them for being the worst team ever to win the cup. So. Exactly. So they know you exist. Congrats. <laughs> but they don't do the abs whole, hey, we won a cup once.
<laughs> yeah, they don't sell it quite as hard. Stanley Cup champion Carolina Hurricanes. You know they don't. Actually, I, I'm actually looking at a sta- a 2006 Carolina Hurricanes Stanley Cup champion banner right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I kind of like. From that. <laughs> Someone left it in this house when I bought it. <laughs> and you also left it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can't throw it away. I mean, it's, you know, it's memorabilia. 